Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Jeff Hunter and the brother that I thought I'd never had and found out that I had, Mr. Andrew Lemoyne. Can I call you my brother? Is that cool? Is that awkward? Is that yeah, weird? We're past that. Of course, brother. Absolutely. I just feel we have kind of similar beards. I mean, I feel like people can get us mixed up. Like, I'm the plumpier version of you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, work, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm trying to trying to get the fitness game up with all the... Uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to have to catch up with you on that all one, the man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. For everyone out there that's watching and listening right now and don't know who you two fine gentlemen are, let's kick it off with a couple origin stories. Andrew, I'll start off with you. How'd you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, I, um, I got a job washing cars when I was 16, 17 years old. Um, I, I did that for about three months and I saw all the sales, sales guys and gals, um, you know, driving nice cars, coming and going, wearing suits. I'm like a 16 year old kid getting the deliveries ready. I'm like, Hey, I want to be that guy. How do I do that? You know? So I went, I walked into the dealer principal's office and uh, got him to give me a shot and, uh, you know, just really, really came natural to me, the whole sales thing. So I, uh, I just, I fell in love with the industry kind of right away. And, uh, you know, I've, I, so, you know, 16, I got into it. So I've spent my entire adult life, you know, in the automotive, uh, in the automotive industry. That's awesome. I love how, you know what? I don't feel like nobody ever actually just like gets into the automotive industry. You know, like everyone kind of like falls sure. into it one way or another, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, you started washing cars and go, Oh, that looks good. I'll go do that. Yeah. You know, but uh, I've yet to find anybody that was like, at nine years old, when I was playing with my Hot Wheels, I told my yeah. mom that I was going to be a car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it just never happened. Um, Jeff, for you, maybe it did happen for you, Jeff. I don't know. I'm going to find out. Well, my son, my son right now at five would tell you that's what he wants to do. But well, I'm assuming by the time he's old enough to do it, that's not what he's going to want to do. But uh, no, honestly, I, I, I started out retail. My dad owned a, a business uh, my whole growing up, not a uh, uh, power sports dealership, the Yamaha dealership. Ship. So I grew up in that. I grew up in the retail. I grew up in Saudi. I grew up around wheels. Um, we live in a border city. My dad was around retirement age. And at the time, the uh, power sports industry was quite interesting with the, the way the dollar is going. And you can literally go five minutes across the border, buy it for less than we could buy it from the manufacturer at full retail. So we're like, this is not, we don't know how long this is going to be. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I had a young family at the time and I said, you know what, you retire and I'm going to go do my own thing. And uh, it was a bit of a natural progression just to get over to the automotive industry, I fortunately knew the dealer principal um, of the General Motors store here, and I'm a GM guy, clearly. Um, and uh, yeah, so and, and, and so the retail part, the talking part, all that kind of stuff transitioned over. It is definitely a different industry, um, but there's protection on the, on the borders for uh, automotive, which we didn't have on the power sports side. And that's how I ended up there. That's very true. I do remember that. I hate to admit that I was actually one of those people that did jump border and go yeah. buy myself an ATV. <laughs> um, you know what? Is... You couldn't help it though, right? So... Well, you know what? I, it, but you're right though. We did have those protections, which was nice. Hey guys, um, you know, the, 
the podcast is going to be kind of called, you know, Quarantine Conversations. And, you know, I, I, I'm beginning to th rethink that name because, I mean, I think things are changing. You know, the quarantine may not be the right word to use anymore, but I know that there's a lot of changes. So I would love to kind of hear from both you guys because you are in different parts, you know, of the country of just kind of how things are going for you and just kind of what's the, the overall feel for, you know, the industry in your guys' area right now. Andrew, I'll start with you. Yeah, well, you know, I love our industry. Um, and, you know, I love telling the story about how I got into it washing cars. Because one thing that I see, you know, too much of online is like, you know, you go to LinkedIn and you check out somebody's profile and, you know, everyone's just like, you know, CEO or everybody wants to start as the, uh, you know, the, 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 the head honcho and, and there's no, and, and there's no history before it. And see, for me, I love the story, man. I love the climb. To me, it's all about the climb. And, um, you know, auto is one of the most rewarding industries I think out there. If you stick to it, if you commit. Um, and you know, I love, I'm proud. I say, look, look, I started off in the wash bay, you know? So when I, when I, when I, uh, you know, tell people like I've worked in every most positions that you can get into a dealership, that's real. And, you know, I think it just helps us as, uh, you know, as vendors now, Jay, and in, in the vendor life, right. To just really just have a found, like a fundamental understanding of what goes on in a dealership. Cause it's actually all I've done. You know, and for us, I think when we're going up, like we go up against competitors or whatnot, I think it's a huge advantage that our company has. Um, and, you know, I'll segue into kind of your question, which was, um, sorry, I got like three things ringing here at the same time. I'll segue into your question, which was like, you know, um, what's going on in the industry. And I think because we come from it and we are dealers that, you know, we've been able to have some super meaningful conversations with the dealers over the, this past three to four to five weeks. And yeah, you know what? People are getting, you know, people are getting tired. The quarantine fatigue thing, obviously everybody's ready to get back to business. Uh, some people need to get back to business. Some of our dealers never stopped. Others uh, shut down completely. Um, you know, it was a huge wake up call. It was a huge wake up call for the industry. It was a huge wake up call for dealers. Um, you know, and it's, there's gonna, there's a lot of good that's actually coming from this is what I think a lot of people are starting to see. Um, there's, there's a lot of good. I've watched a lot of our dealers um, have taken this time to, you know, really focus on things where the day-to-day -day never allowed them to do. So all of a sudden they had this pause and this break, uh, you know, kind of like those things that you always tell yourself, I'm going to do over the, you know, I'm going to do this over the Christmas holidays, but you never do because Christmas holidays, you know, a couple of couple ramen eggnogs and you don't, you don't get much done. So, um, so all of a sudden dealers have been focusing now on cleaning up like internal, you know, internal processes, right. Automate uh, automation systems, um, you know, playbooks, training manuals, um, you know, onboarding, you know, recruitment strategies and, and dealers are getting all this stuff done that they, you know, that the day to day stop them, um, you know, from doing. So that's been, that's been great to see. We've been seeing dealers take, um, you know, a head, just a head first approach to digital, which is great. Um, a lot more open-minded now. And, uh, like I think I said in the last uh, time that you and I jam, like digital retail became real through COVID-19 digital retail became a real thing. Right. And, and the dealers have to, uh, they, they had to, you know, all of a sudden just pay a ton of attention to this thing called digital retail that, you know, they're like half of them, more than half of them were like, whatever, right? Like it's not, it's not a thing yet. We, you know, we got all this walk in traffic. Um, 
And, you know, they, they, they just, they didn't have the, a, enough attention on it as they should have, but truthfully, um, you know, and, and I get it. I get the dealers that didn't have enough attention on it, Jason, because they didn't need to like the, like the, like the, 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 the showroom trap, the showroom was still busy. So you had all these vendors going around saying like digital retail, digital retail. It's like, dude, like we can't, we don't have enough. We, we can't handle the ups on a Saturday, right? Just a walk-in. So COVID happened and then it's like, okay, what's this digital retail thing that everybody's been talking about for the past six years? Cause no one's walking in, <laughs> right? So that happened. Um, and you know what, man? I think that it, we're such a resilient industry. Um, I've seen so many dealers just adapt, you know, quick. I've seen dealers adapt. Um, I don't think the amount of dealers that I originally thought that were going to go out of business are going to, because I've seen so many of the dealers just adapt and, um, you know, and just heads down and, uh, and, and just change and evolve, you know, over, over a day, over a week, over a month. So it's been great. I'm I'm with you, man. I, I I see a lot of adapting to technologies in the last, you know, let's say couple months, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I am beginning to realize, and I think a lot of dealerships are beginning to realize too, is that just adapting to new technologies and new communication platforms is not enough. Like, I mean, I'm glad that you know you your dealership now has a Zoom account. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you have some type of, you know, let's say functional build and price or kind of a, assisting someone in the buying part of their cycle, you know, that they can do online before they come to the dealership. That's awesome. Right. But I think the dealerships that are staying proactive are realizing that tech is not enough and that they're going to have to process their way to profitability. And I, I'm beginning to see that's what most of the most of the conversations are shifting to now. It's like, okay, cool. Hey, you know, we were shut down for a couple months or we were only doing by appointments and, you know, we, we bought the tech that we needed so that we could support those initiatives. But now what, you know? And I think that's the direction that we're going to head. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But Jeff, I'd love to hear kind of, you know, how are things for you guys up where you are? Um, dealerships open, are they closed? Are they buy appointment? You know, what's kind of the overall situation where you are right now? Well, you know what? It's uh, a lot of confusion. Honestly, uh, that's what that's what a lot of it was initially because, um, man, things are so fluid and changing with the wind. And I, I would come in and I would do a video on our process. And literally six days later, five days later, we're doing something completely different. We're not necessarily prepared for. So a lot of it's been been um, flying by the seat of your pants. Like, you know, it's it's what are we doing next week? Where are we going to be? What's happening? You know, we went from literally having no one week we had. We were not able to do test drives. The next week you're allowed to do them by appointment to the next week we're being open full board like literally that happened from week to week to week and so you know and and i, I you know i kind of find it interesting and, and i agree with uh with andrew about you know the adaptation i'm seeing from dealerships um which has actually been very surprising to me as well because we're known to be such a slow moving industry for a lot of the things we do i think right we're we're, we're we've not like what i've seen in my, my infancy in, in my small time in the industry is that we're slow slow to change because we don't like you said we don't have to we're already busy doing this we don't have to do that right and obviously obviously been preaching this for a couple of years with the big you know big point on this on the social media aspect but um the digital stuff is definitely uh we've definitely increased in our dealership um what's interesting where we are we're in a small market we're in Sault Ste. Marie so we're still a bit old school and what I find up here is that we're um we're not we're doing the digital but we're not doing digital from point of you know inquiry to 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 delivery at the uh, 
at the uh, at the home. Um, it's really been more just to help to streamline the process um, to create a little less interaction within the dealership. But I find that we're still getting people that want to come test drive and have their pickup at the dealership. So um, again, that could be attributed to a number of things. It could be just from where I am. It could be we haven't had a lot of cases here. You know, thank God. Let's keep it that way. But um, so I think it's uh, it's 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 just. It's all over the place. I don't really know how else to explain it other than that. And like I said, as of last week, now we're open full bore. Who's, who knows what's going to happen, you know, a week from now when you see like what's going on in Toronto, for an example, with the, what they call the COVID idiots, right? So as long as we can keep doing this social distance, then hopefully we can keep the ball rolling. We'll see. Yeah, I, I saw that article posted in the Toronto <laughs> Star. I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, I don't yeah. know, did you see it, Andrew? Jeff was talking about all the people that decided to just kind of get out of their house and was it like a thousand of them showed up at a park together. Like, what the yeah. hell are these people thinking? Um, but but though, Jeff, I, th I think what you're saying is, is that you know, it's leading towards the process. And look, as an industry, you know, we're pretty damn good about creating processes. We are not good about being flexible in our process. That I think is kind of being the fundamental thing. So, you know, that's and that's actually kind of a good segue into my next question for you guys. Is it, we're talking a little bit about customer confidence in our process in us. You know, I see a lot of people out there talking about that. Like, how do we build customer confidence? How do we rebuild customer confidence? How do we rebuild customer confidence? Which I think is great to talk about, and it's cool to see those articles on LinkedIn and people having those conversations. But the conversation I don't see a whole lot about right now is like how do i keep my company's confidence like how do i keep my employees confidence well it's you know, funny you just and you really know what, Jason, culture you know what you did is you just answered the question okay how do you how how do you how do you keep consumer confidence by being confident right by having a confident staff and, and a confident team when you people like you know consumer confidence is at an all-time low Okay, so now more than ever, when the consumers interact right now with the dealerships, they need to be speaking to people that speak with certainty and that are, uh, that are super confident about their dealership's ability to serve, serve you, right? Through getting you a great deal on your, uh, on your new purchase, through getting you a great deal on the trade, through you know, safely delivering you the vehicle and servicing you after. People don't want to hear ums and ahs and uhs and I'm not sure and I'll have to check and you know, it's like you, dude. You sound as you just you sound as uncertain as I am, and I'm scared. I'm fucking scared, man. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in this. Um, of course you can. Are, it's automotive podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are people are. You know, they won't leave their. I see people. I don't get this one. I, I, you know, I don't get the thing when you're by yourself in the car and you got your mask on. Like I see people driving. <laughs> it's the weirdest all the thing time. in the world. Come on, guys. Uh, it's the weirdest guys, thing in the world. Guys, <laughs> you're alone. Guys, got the <laughs> windows up. There. He's got the full mask on in his car. I'm going, this is nuts. Like people are, it's the fear. You know, it's like people are so scared. So you need, you need to exert confidence to the, to the shoppers and to the consumers. Like you have to, right? So you're leading into the answer and you do that from having a confident team. And how do you have a confident team is, you know, is you keep the culture alive. And in fact, you know, I'll tell you guys, um, this is, this has enhanced our culture through COVID-19. Um, and it's been because well, it, it, it be has for some, like I, yeah, you I'm, see, Andrew, I, I'm, I think I'm talking about, I'm talking or, about or for, for, or for you, for yourself. Yeah. Cause yeah. because you're going to see true leaders actually rise right now. And Andrew, yeah. I would definitely put you into that category of you keep your team incredibly well motivated. So that's why I'm going to try to pull out of you is like, how do you do that, man? I know a lot of people so, out there watching and listening, they don't know how to do that. 
Yeah, you know, Jason, and it's not just about motivation. Like I've started to tell people over the past couple of years, like if you need motivation, just go to YouTube. It's there for free, right? Like just type in, you know, motivation 2020, you're going to find it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to sign up for, for courses to get motivation. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to pay anything. Just go to YouTube and you can motivate yourself. You can motivate your team. Um, it's, it's so much more than just motivation. It's actually communication. That's the key. But see where the, where, where, where people are falling apart is like companies, leaders and managers are not doing, they're not effectively communicating with the team, uh, daily, you know, uh, daily, at least weekly, you know, I'm going to say daily multiple times a day. Um, you know, you're not, you're not keeping the team, uh, you're not getting the team involved. So where I see that our, our culture has increased because it's been an adjustment. Like we we're a tech company, but we, we, we were also all about that, that office culture, right? So that, that office vibe was huge for us. And it, 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 it sucked, man. When we lost the office like two months ago now, two and a half months ago, I mean, I say we lost the office, they're still paying for the damn office, unfortunately, but it's just locked. Uh, you know, it's locked up the street and we can't go to it. And, um, you know, we had to adjust because that live culture, we used to feed off of each other, right? People used to love it. So now we had to do this. We had to do the zoom thing and the meet thing every single day. Um, and then we needed to start figuring shit out. Okay. And what I find is you start doing that more as a team. You start, and, and I found that we've started to include people in the meetings that in the office, maybe they wouldn't have been in the room, you know, like maybe, maybe we wouldn't have included them, but like we've included them now. And like, I found that I'm, I'm actually getting to know um, on a personal level, so much of our team even more through all this, because I think we've all had to let our guards down a bit. And, you know, I had to humble myself as a CEO, you know, I had to flex some humility because there's a, because there was a lot of things through this where, they were looking to me for the answers and I didn't have them. I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know guys. I, I don't know what's going to happen. We're in this together. You know, I, you know, and, and I gave a speech on, you know, being in the same boat, about a month and a half ago, um, you know, I just, I told the team, like, like we're in a boat right now and the boat's taking on water. And I said that, you know, you could either, you could jump ship and go find another boat. Right. I can't jump ship. So I'm on this boat. You know, I'm, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to see the course. I can't jump ship. Uh, but I said, but you know, you guys can jump ship right now. Now I think all boats are taking on water. Right. But you know, you could do two things is you could just, you could, you could just sit back and do nothing or you could grab a bucket and you could help, you know, and, and, um, guys, we had, we had half the team go on CERB for a bit, you know, and we just brought everybody back last week. Okay, but we had half the team on serve, and dude, they didn't stop working. And to me, like that was such a, that was such a, just a statement to our culture and our belief and our buy-in from the team that like when you got people laid off, they they do not have to be working. They do not have to be answering me in Slack or completing their tasks in Jira, but they are. And I'm like, you know, so it was it was great. It was really really great to see. But I think we really communicated, guys. Right. And this is why, like, I've been telling dealerships, like, get Slack. Right. Like you said, get Zoom. You know, and I agree with you, Jason. Like, it's, and it's never been, um, you know, you said the technology alone is not going to fix the problem. And it never has. Right. The tech has never been the answer. Right. Tech's just a tool, man. 
right? The tech is just a cool tool, but it's like, it's never been the answer. People in process are always the answers, right? So yeah, it, it, you know, it always, it always is. So yeah. So, you know, communication now more than ever, because um, people are scared, man. People are scared. Customers are scared. Your staff are scared. Um, and there's so much fear from the media. Um, you know, I'm not going to get there, there really opinion. is, isn't there? I mean, it's, it's a little over the top at this point, right? You yeah. Know, as far as, you know, it's I, like, I know here in Ontario, there's been an, an increase in, in, in cases and stuff like that, but it's like, man, they just, I'm, 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 I'll be honest with you guys. I'm, I, I just turned off the TV. Like, honestly, I, I turned it off about a week ago because I just, it was the same crap over and over and over again. And it was just like finding some way to just dig a little deeper to make people just a little more scared. I was just like, enough of this shit. But, um, hey, Jeff, I mean, Andrew, I'm totally to your point, man. It's about communication. Like, you want to maintain culture, you want to create culture. That all starts with the communication. I mean, Jeff, you're a sales professional. And I really do. I really do consider you to be a very true sales professional. I mean, you are the owner and operator of your own business within somebody else's business. I mean, you know, Jeff, I mean, how do you keep yourself motivated? I mean, how do you keep your customers' confidence up for yourself? I'm curious. You know, again, I don't want to, you know, grab up what I understand, but he made a great point, I think, when he, when he first started and, and, and uh, you just have to have that confidence, right? And, and the ums and ahs. And like the one thing I, I caught, even just like in the, in the bit that I've been in a dealership and walking by other salespeople and you hear like the, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get for that, that truck right now. The industry is weird. Let me, you know, let, let's rather than just be like, yeah, man, we're going to get you what we can. The deals are fantastic on everything new. And you're not lying at that point. You're just, you're, you're just, you have to exude that, that confidence and, and, and let people know, Hey, listen, there's nothing to worry about business as usual although it's not but you know trying trying to exude that it is as business as usual as much as possible um again i'm gonna go back to my social media i i that keeps me busy that keeps me in connection with my customers lets them know i'm still having a good time having fun you know what i mean and, and i'm not down on things and i'm um, just trying to again it's confidence but it's also being positive and being uh, being upbeat about everything right that's what i've noticed um as far as the dealership as a whole and dealerships what i, I think we, we kind of we we're just talking kind of momentarily at the start before we started this and you're mentioning about a sales manager not being at a particular deal, like at a dealership, right? And I think that that's a massive mistake because right now, more than any time, we need that. We need that to start from the leadership. Yeah, okay, I'm I motivate myself, but there is a lot of salespeople that don't that don't do that, right? And we need it. We need it coming from a place of leadership, a manager who can speak to speak to all that um, and 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 give the confidence. And here's what we're gonna do. And here's the plan. And then and then you're you know hopefully as a proper leader those people are going to follow that as well right the people who may not do it on their own hey jeff um, jeff i want to i want to add some a spice to what you're saying right now okay um leadership doesn't come from titles okay so leadership comes from acts it's not what people say yeah. it's what people do and so if um if sales professionals are tuning in right now if finance managers are tuning in right now and you don't have the gsm or the gm title in your store does not mean you cannot lead, okay, and uh, and um, and you know, and really, really help pull your team through this and stick together. So if you've got managers in your store that aren't doing, aren't communicating, aren't pulling the team together, you do it. You start, you start pulling the team together. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't. The biggest mistake people do is they they look to the title for the leader. You know, I always say, hey man, the the best way to the best way to get the job is just to start doing it. You know. A year and a half before I, I became a sales manager, I was like 20, 21, 22 years old. I just started doing the damn job. 
I just started doing the job. I'm out there help. I was helping all my peers. I, you need help with that trade appraisal here. I'll give you help. You need to help desk in that deal. I got you. Hey, I got you. I started doing it. Okay. Right. So what, what do you think happened like a year later when they're like, you know, we need a sales manager. It's like, Andrew's only, tw- the kid's 21. It's like, the kid, dude, he's been doing the job for the past year. <laughs> just give him the job. Right. That's exactly what happened. That, that, that's exactly what happened. I just started doing it. Anyways, I wanted to say that, bro, because I heard you. And, and you're speaking, like you said, I, I, like don't ever even downplay yourself, Jeff, because you are a sales professional. And don't ever downplay yourself because you don't have a, a, you know, a, you know, a title like that because you're a leader, dude. And you're, you're keeping yourself motivated and you can help motivate the team, uh, you know, the team around you. Your managers sure. might, need, might need some motivation. For sure. And it's not even just the motivation. It's just a sense of direction right now as well. Because, again, like I said on my on the, edge the last question is literally things are changing so often. We don't even know what we're supposed to be doing or not supposed to be doing or what we're allowed to be. You know what I mean? So it's good to have that sense of direction. And like you say, whether it comes from a salesman who's just speaking up who wants like to get this stuff going or, or if it's a manager. So no, it's a great point. That's actually a great, great point. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I mean, and look, it, and that's, this is the time that we're going to see the cream rise to the top, right? You know, and you know, I, I consider this to kind of be the second winter of this year <laughs> where, you know, the floor room traffic is going to be really slow and uh, we're going to have to capitalize on every single opportunity that we get. Uh, you know, I don't think any dealership out there can afford to look at any opportunity for a conversation and actually give it a score as far as how much time and effort they actually want to put into it. Like, I just don't think you can do that. I mean, you know, internet leads are not being treated like third class citizens like they used to be. <laughs> you know, people are really taking note and taking every opportunity. I mean, we got to squeeze the juice out of this as much as humanly possible because, you know what, guys, I, I'm not 100% sure what will happen if we hit a second wave you know like i mean we haven't even felt the economics of this yet we're still dealing with the social elements of of this of COVID 19 we haven't even felt the economics of it yet you know right now in canada i think we're at 19 percent unemployment or almost 20 percent unemployment and you know that's not even a totally accurate number because there's just so many people that are still on furloughed or kind of quasi hired or not quasi hired, you know, so I think there's still a lot to change. And, you know, I'm, I, I think the people that are going to be in market for a car may not necessarily be in market for a new car. You know, I think the new car industry might have kind of have a slap in the face come pretty quick. I think people are going to be going back to pre-owned vehicles. We saw this happen during the recession. You know, right after the recession, we have just a monster, just balloon of pre-owned vehicle sales. And I'm thinking the same thing is going to happen for us this time around as well. But I'd like to kind of get your guys' thoughts on this, you know, as far as preparing ourselves for, you know, the used car industry. Andrew, I'll start with you and uh, Jeff, I'll kind of get your thoughts on how we can prepare that side of the business. You know, I, so I think that dealers are always looking for something to talk about, right? Salespeople are always looking for something to talk about. They're looking for the sale of their incentive. Well, guys, there's never been more to talk about than right now. And there's never been a better time to buy as a consumer than right now, whether you're offering up a pre-owned or a new car. Um, you know, new car incentives are, are, are ridiculous right now. They're ridiculous. So, so it, it, it like, it's, it's a great, great time to, um, you know, to buy a new car. If you can get finance for one, if you can get, you know, yeah. If you can get yes. finance, you know, the, um, the stress tests have gone up and, uh, and obviously the risk threshold there. So, so that you see, we're seeing the lenders change, you know, change the, basically their, their practices and their lending 
parameters like week by week, right? So, um, yes, you know, but the incentives are incredible. And, um, you know, are we going to see a shortage of new car stock, you know, allocation? Um, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to catch a wave of that, you know, summer, fall, right. Because some of the plants shut down. So there's probably going to be a shortage in allocation. Um, also, I think that you had a lot of people post pre COVID that were in market and then retracted, got scared. So when the things open back up, like their need for a vehicle, you know, may not have changed. So they're now back in market plus all the other people that were going to be in market at the time. So there could actually be a spike you know, that we might experience as an industry here over the next, like, you know, like now, you know, and like June and July might, might be like, you know, like normally guys, you know, no, 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 I'm, I'm with you on this, Andrew. I mean, I'm also thinking of the 1.5 million Ontario residents that um, rely on public transit to get from point A to point B that are not going to be jumping into a bus or a train anytime soon or you know i mean ontario as far as canada goes has the highest usage of rideshare programs of any other province in in canada and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys i ubered everywhere all the time i'm i'm not going to be jumping into you know the back seat of some stranger's car anytime soon you know so i mean I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be in market for this and i think you know used car inventory is going to get sucked up fast if we don't how about act that on it. How about that percentage of the population? For example, I have a sister and brother-in-law who lived in Manila. They escaped Manila to come back home to Canada. They own a house here. That's great. But how many people have come back who are maybe working overseas or whatever, who are going to be, they're going to be staying here for at least a year. I'm literally dealing with my sister right now in terms of getting her a vehicle, uh, you know, a used vehicle just to use for a year, you know, and then see what happens past that. They're not going to go out and buy a brand new you know, $50,000 or whatever, or the people who, who live in Florida all the, all of the year, and they're going to be up here, hey, are we going to be here this winter? Our, uh, you know, our, our rear-wheel drive vehicle is not going to work, you know, whatever it may be. We have people that are coming back even that don't either have a vehicle or have the wrong type of vehicle for having to be where we are as well. I know it's a small percentage, but it's still a part of the equation, right? So, yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of new audiences, and I think we, from an inventory perspective, we kind of have to have you know, these discussions, we have to have strategies around this. I mean, Andrew, to your point, I think new car inventory is going to struggle at some point, you know, because no one's been placing orders. I don't know of a single dealership that's been placing orders. In fact, most of the dealerships I know have actually asked to postpone anything that they had in the hopper to be built, you know, so they don't want any additional inventory coming their way. And then I think from a used car perspective, I mean, look at this, we've had dealerships now that have been almost three months with used cars just sitting on their lot. I mean, if you, depending on your reconditioning process and your efforts, man, you're probably going to be dumping another five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks into each one of those stinking cars to make sure that they're, you know, ready to, ready to go again. I mean, I don't think people realize what happens to a pre-owned vehicle when you leave it there, you know, and the brake pads get seized up and you're having to rework brakes and all this other crap. Like, it, the expense of everything is going to go up. I mean, I know some dealerships. I'm curious if you guys, if you guys have heard the same. Some dealerships have actually seen this and started buying heavy. And then I've seen other dealerships have seen this and they're getting scared and they're starting to sell quickly, you know? So I'm kind of, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Buy or sell right now as far as inventory goes? Andrew, I'll start with you and then Jeff, I'll ask you the same. Are you liquid? Like if you're, if, if you're liquid, you're buying. If you're liquid, buy when the market's low, right? The problem is where most of the dealers will just get slaughters on the curtailments on the lines. And that's what they can't afford to do. They can't afford to grab these cars right now at the block and then, you know, hold them for 
for four or five months. Yeah, exactly. There's just, you know, there's just too much uncertainty, but, um, you know, I think that with the dollar too, you know, we could see export come back in a huge way, like, which is, which is super, you know, unfortunate. Um, it is, it is because it's gonna, it's now at a point where we just have to call it out and say like, guys, you know, it's, having the vehicles to retail in our own, in our own backyard and in our own economy is far more important than getting, you know, retail, you know, ish numbers wholesale, um, you know, uh, exporting it. So I think exports going to cut, you know, export obviously is going to, you know, is going to be a thing again. And, um, yeah, inventory is going to be scarce, man. Like it's, it's going to be super scarce. You should be turning your dealerships into buying centers, like, you know, like CarMax is in the U.S. Seriously, buying centers, like like um, just like doing appraisals, digital appraisals for the consumer's trades. Like anything you could do for, for, for vehicle acquisition, um, dealers are going to need to put focus and attention on that for sure. Jeff, what are your thoughts? We're definitely sell <laughs> right now in a sell position. I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know that aspect. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we're obviously always focused on the sell. That's what I am. So I don't always see the behind the scenes and what we should be doing or not. But we're definitely. Are you, are you concerned at all? Inventory may not be there. Uh, new wise right now, no. But that could literally change overnight because again, we're we have this lull where we haven't been getting the the uh, the orders, the inventory. So yeah, we'll sell through what we've got now. But to get the the manufacturers to catch up, right? Especially to us in truck country, like. One night we can have a hundred trucks there. The next there's like 30, right? So it can literally change that fast on the right promotion. Obviously there's good promotions going on right now, but um, it can literally, literally change that quickly. So it's, uh, it's nerve wracking, but uh, it's, again, it's just, it's so uncertain. And, you know, I know the funny part is we have been focusing more on our use side. Uh, Sometimes I think that's like the redhead stepchild that, that the used apartment. And uh, a lot of my focus actually being back has been all on, getting all of our used stuff up, getting videos on it, getting pictures of them all taken um, and just really focusing on our used inventory online. Because again, we are getting more interest in it. And especially, especially with used cars, you have to have stuff online for it. Right. Um, and with not having a lot of employees and letting a lot of people off, like I'm taking the role of doing a lot of that stuff now to, um, but, but, but again, we are putting a lot of focus on, on the used because again, it's one of the markets where people are a little, at least where we are again, I'm, I'm, I only know what my industry here is doing and, and what I see is, you know, uh, a lot of fear in the sense of, well, are we going to have a job? We, our major employer here is Algoma Steel, right? It's a steel plant, which we produce steel for automotive, automotive. And if they're not, we're not selling cars, they're not working there and they're getting laid off. So I think there's a lot of nervousness, um, especially just the history of Algoma Steel and Tuesday Marine bring up and down and up and down. And people are a little bit uh, nervous. So they're going to go out and buy a used vehicle to get them by for now. Um, so there, there is a lot of focus on our use, but not, not so much for buying use right now we're not going out and looking for it you know, obviously we're, we're still taking trades as on a normal basis um from you know from our new perspective but we're not going out and uh from what i've seen we're not going out and looking for it right now so well that's, I mean, I, that's I, here that's here we, we have to have the conversation i mean i think that's at the end of the day the bottom line is that we do have to have a conversation around our inventory what the levels are and there has to be some plan i think put in place um Andrew, you mentioned something earlier um about kind of lessons learned you know, and I think as an industry, 
as a business owner myself, and I'm sure for you, Andrew, and, and Jeff, and for yourself as a, as a sales professional, I mean, there's been a lot of lessons learned in the last couple months. I mean, boy, I've had to really rethink a fair amount of, uh, you know, our product offerings, our strategies, our personnel. I mean, there's just, I've learned so much in two months. I probably learned more in the last two months than I probably have in the last 24 months of the things of do's and don'ts. But I'd love to kind of hear your guys' thoughts of, you know, if you were to say, what was the single most important thing that you've learned during, you know, COVID-19? Andrew, I'll start with you. And then Jeff, I'll ask you the same question. Um, like what personally as a company? Yeah. As a business owner. Well, so as a business owner, I mean, um, you know, I learned, I learned how like much quicker I got to start moving and, and, um, it lit a fire. It lit a fire under my ass because, you know, um, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel safe. So when the economy, uh, and everything was collapsing around me, you know, I didn't feel safe for my family. I didn't feel safe for, you know, my company, for our team, for our, our employees, for their families. Right. So, you know, I realized that, you know, I gotta, I gotta start moving a lot quicker and we gotta start going a lot bigger and making bigger moves, um, faster. So this kicked us into a whole like overdrive, you know, turbo, the company, we just started going like nuts, you know? So with products, with product releases, with partnerships, with company growth, like we gotta, we gotta take this thing we have right now and you know a hundred exit, um, and you know I saw fear, I saw fear in everybody, dude, and and you can't, like the last thing you need to do right now is give your salespeople, you know, um, a reason not to sell, you know, so you gotta give people a reason to sell, you gotta give people a reason to get up, right, to make that call right now. People need a reason. Um, and a purpose, you know, and that's what you need, need to be doing is, is given that. And, you know, you guys were just touching on something and it just like, it, it, you know, a thought came to my head, like, you know, the number one thing that everybody wants to feel besides happy is safe, you know, it's safe. And, you know, Jeff, you, you, you touched on something that might be kind of a smaller percentage, which is like all the, you know, all the snowbirds coming back now that might need cars. But you also touched on something that's massive, actually. And that was the, the population that was, like you said, Jay, uh, was doing ride sharing and Ubering, right? And like that and public transit, relying on public transit, which doesn't feel safe right now. And there's a safety factor of owning your own vehicle. There is. It's your own thing. It's your own domain. It's your own personal space. I don't have to sit beside you know, somebody on a bus and if they cough, I'm freaking out, you know, thinking I've got, I've got the Corona. I'm done. I'm finished. Um, you know, so it, it, there's, there's a whole, I think there's a whole market about to emerge that also wasn't going to be in market for a vehicle that now they're like, you know what? I'm not getting back on public transit. I'm not getting back on. Like if they're in any sort of financial position to do that, I think we're going to see a lot of people come into the market. And, um, you know, as, as, as an industry, we need to be, you know, we need to be ready to serve them, um, you know, and, and, and help them out. So, um, and I think it's just going to add to, you know, add to sales. So I, you know, I, guys, I really think that, I really think that, um, I really think as an industry, we can have a great summer. I really do. I think, I think sales over the next 30 days could just start to skyrocket. I like, I, I really believe that I'm not saying that from a place just to motivate people that are down. 
I, I think that there's like a massive opportunity here to have some of the biggest months you've ever had, you know, as a, as a business, as a, as a store and as an individual, like as, you know, an individual salesperson, I think you could do like, you know, I think you could have your biggest month, you know, like in Canada, you know, we usually experience July as like cottage season, right? So like we get the spike in spring and then like June, July, your Canada long weekend, right? Sales kind of do this. Like they're not terrible. It's not like January, February, but they, they, they peak back down and fall. They come back up. Well, like, come on, man. The industry's down 75%. How much lower are we going to go? Like, I think we're going to start to see this through, through times that, you know, I think July, this could be your biggest July you've ever had is what I'm saying. I mean that. Well, and, and to that point, you know, we have to be prepared to pivot, right? Like right. I feel, I feel like we kind of get stuck into a rhythm and, you know, I think if there's any lesson, you know, one of the biggest lessons I've learned, you know, from, you know, COVID-19 is that I have to structure a business and processes that are able to pivot as quickly as the world changes around it. And the world is changing fast. You know, Jeff, you said it one week to the next is sometimes the day to day. And it's just like, how do I build a business that's going to pivot? How do I build processes that are going to pivot? But Jeff, I'm actually curious from you, you know, what has been, you know, the singular most important lesson you've learned so far through COVID-19? It's going to sound silly, but uh, compa compassion, man. Like, I think, um, I think what, what, what I like to consider myself a pretty compassionate person, but I think that a lot of times I'm so focused on the next sale, I'm moving and moving and moving that. I'm not, I'm not focused on listening as much. And I think that's one thing that we're as an industry are having to do more, listen to everybody's stories, and individual, you know, what's going on right now and being compassionate for them and not trying to force things, you know, down their throat. I think we see that the most surprising thing of all this has been the, the manufacturers and their advertising when all this first came out. Remember, I think uh, you and I were, and Tyler were talking, uh, Champagne before about like, listen, it's almost like they had a go bag ready, you yeah. know, with all this advertising, this compassionate advertising. And, you know, I think that people are going to remember how we handle this right now, how we as salespeople, how we as a dealership, how we as a manufacturer handling or handling this. Obviously it's a fine line to walk. You have to be advertising to a certain, certain extent. You got to know, let people know what's going on. We also have to be compassionate to know that like, man, you can't, you can't be too forceful with some of this. And again, this is my own personal opinion, but you can't be so forceful because I've seen it. It pushes people away more than it helps them. And when they're ready to buy, they're going to remember how people were handling this, you know? So again, I think the biggest thing for me, again, I think I was a compassionate person. I am a compassionate person, but I think I've learned to listen more and focus more on what the customer need is, um, which again, I, I thought I did, but I don't think I was focusing on it as much as, as much as I have since all of this has, has kind of gone down. So that's probably what I've learned. Oh, that's a, it's a great lesson. I think there's a fair amount of businesses that have learned the same. <laughs> and if they haven't, that's actually kind of a shame because it would, it's a great opportunity to learn the importance of that and how that actually does benefit the bottom line. A lot of people say it doesn't, you know, the, how compassionate you are with your local community or your, or your uh, customers has nothing to do with the bottom line, but it has a lot to do with the bottom line. And we're actually beginning to see that. I think we will, to your point, Jeff, I think we will see that over the next six, eight months. Um, you know, with that said, that kind of is a good segue kind of into my next cut. My next question with you guys is, uh, you know, a lot of my conversation with dealerships right now has, has to do with cost savings. You know, there's one thing I think everybody's looking for more leads. And how can I save more money? <laughs> it seems to be that's the like, if I ask everybody, I'm like, what do you need right now? Here are the two things I need. I need to save money and I need, I need more leads. So let's talk a little bit more about this, the save money side, because, you know, I mean, I think both Andrew and Jeff, you guys both have kind of ideas of how a dealership, you know, can be saving money right now. Um, you know, Andrew, I'll start off with you. And then Jeff, I'll ask you the same question. 
Well, um, if you're a Canadian dealer and you need more leads, give me a call. You know, we can help you with that. Um, if you're uh, if you're looking to save money, look, I think that a lot of dealers did a vendor audit through this for sure because you had to really get down to the bare minimum. Like, what do we just need? What's the bare minimum we need? And I, and I think that a lot of dealers trimmed a lot of fat. They probably realized that there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, capital going out, a lot of subscriptions being paid that really wasn't doing much for the store. Um, and, uh, and you cut them out. So I think there's been a lot of like in-house cleanup that's happened through, through this. Um, you know, I think that honestly for those stores out there that are running lean, so I'll tell you what I've been hearing and I, you know, part of me struggles to say this because it means that people are losing jobs and not going to come back. But I've heard a lot of stores, um, comment, um, how they're actually selling more vehicles right now with less staff because they've been running skeleton crews and, um, but they've been realizing um, how, how much of a lack of performance their store was doing before, before if you're able to sell just as many cars with 10 people when you had 22, right? It's like, so we're seeing, I'm hearing that a lot. And like, I can't believe like we're selling, we have half the staff right now. And we're selling just as many cars in less hours in less hours, you know? So it's like, there's this efficiency thing. That's really, you know, people are really, really like, wow, we were not efficient before. Were we like, we were, we, you know, we weren't efficient as a store. We weren't efficient as, as salespeople, as a team, you know, some of them. Um, but I am hearing that I, I am hearing that quite a lot. It's not just a one-off. I'm hearing that a lot that the dealers are really shocked with, you know, their, 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 um, the reduced staff, what they're able to produce. Uh, but you know, I don't want to say I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say like, how do you save money? You let people go. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I'm saying is, you know, I think you're going to, I think you're going to save a lot of money through the efficiency that you've been forced to, you know, you've been forced to reveal uh, through all this. I mean, obvious things is like cut, you know, do an audit of the tech. Like I think some dealers had a tech overload. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure, 100%. Like I mean, just... I, I think that's a great exercise for anybody out there that's looking to save money. I mean, we're look, we're looking to save money, but we're also looking to ramp up, to your point, Andrew, to our selling season, which should be happening right now. Um, right. So I, I think every single piece of tech, every single vendor that we start to bring back, because for the most part, I mean, at least my experience with most dealerships was just shut everything down. I mean, everything stopped all the way down to the literally the bare bone minimum requirement as far as spend goes just to operate a business. Now I'm beginning to see people slowly start bringing things back. But if they're bringing things back and people back with a mindset of efficiency, that might change a lot. That might change the tools that they're using, the vendors that they that they have signed up with, the subscriptions that they have, and in some cases, I hate to say it, but you're right, Andrew. Maybe even some of the staff that they've had. You know, was it really efficient to have, you know, four F and I managers and you know three sales managers and 22 salespeople? You know, it's like it, 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 I know it sounds bad, but it's just that's kind of where we are. I mean, as an industry, this just is what it is. Jeff, your thoughts on you know kind of cost savings? I know one to be interesting for you because you do so much social media. Is I would personally love to see more dealerships embrace social and get, you know kind of back off of the the addiction that literally it is. It's an addiction to PPC, which is ironic because I run an agency, but no, I'm serious though, <laughs> it should be the case, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Jeff. 
Dude, I, my, my whole LinkedIn is a lot of it's based around social media and salespeople and automotive dealerships. And again, I, it's not to be all and end all for the sale. I, I, I fully understand that. But man, why are more dealers not empowering their salespeople to be advocates of the dealership, right? I mean, listen, we, 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 they spend so much money on advertising. How about you spend some of that money on training these people to do things the proper way to, to, you know, to, to basically say, listen, like if more people were doing what I was doing and you have all of these different separate sections of your dealership that are advertising for you in all different kinds of way, whether it's a compassionate way, whether it's a funny way, whether, you know, whatever it is, an educational way, whatever it is, I try and do everything on my one channel. Like why are not, why are more people not doing that? And again, I, again, I know that a lot of this has to come from the salesperson themselves. They have to be motivated enough to do it. But listen, some of these people just need to be educated. Here's how to do it because you can have the motivation to do it, but not doing it right isn't going to help either. Right. So um, you have to educate them in, in terms of how to do it right. And I just think that backing off a little bit on, on your normal type of advertising, focus on training and getting your salespeople to be your advertising, right. To be a portion of the advertising for the dealership themselves. Um, you know, is a huge, huge, huge thing. Again, and especially now with with the ability to see more people, are, people are online more. They're you know they're looking at things more online. They're going to free, like I was just talking to my girlfriend about this the other night. In terms of restaurants, a great example. Man, I I don't ever go to a restaurant's website anymore to find out if they're open and what their hours are. I go to their Facebook page to find out what's going on, what their specials are, because it's being updated so much more quickly. Why are we not focusing more on our social media? Obviously, yes, our 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 main, our main uh, thing is our website and, and stuff like that. But again, focus on training your employees to, to know how to, how to do the social so that they're getting in front of more people's faces who are on their computers right now anyway. No, no, That's no, no. I, I, dude, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, I mean, it's what we're really talking about is prospecting. Like <laughs> guys, I don't know about you, but when I first started in the business, like I got like two weeks of training, which was really watching videos in a boardroom that looked like they were done in the early eighties, you know, because people still had, what are those things called? Shoulder pads, um, yeah. you know, but, but then when I hit the floor, it was like, here, here, here's a phone book and here's a Rolodex from some other sales guy that's no longer here. And I had a prospect, like I legitly had to prospect. And I hate to say that, but as an industry, I kind of feel like the art of prospecting has kind of disappeared as something that has to come back and it will dr dramatically change, you know, our industry. If we really start focusing on that again, and to your point, Jeff, it all comes down to training. We just don't yeah. train on that anymore. Yeah. Like you, we, we train, I mean, Andrew, you know, you, you train your team a lot on prospecting. Well, it's funny. I'm going to tag, I'm taking an article right now. I'm get, if you go to my LinkedIn, um, I'm going to my article. I'm going to tag you in an article I wrote. And when did I write this? I wrote this damn article. Um, how do you get to articles now? I gotta, I gotta show you this cause it's just so funny. Um, they keep changing the UI up. Well, I okay? know they do. They, they, Features. Keep, they keep changing the UI. I will let you continue to find that. Um, yeah. But guys, I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time. So, but before we go, um, I get to ask you guys one last question and is my favorite question to ask you guys. And I'm always kind of curious to hear everyone's response because things are changing so quick. So Jeff, I'm actually gonna start with you uh, first on this. I'm very much so curious what is pissing Jeff Hunter off? <laughs> oh, it's I, it's the assumption that everything is totally normal. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's 
we have we have to do things differently. It, things are different. We have to do things differently, at least for the time being, right? And I go back to that article, and again, it's not really automotive industry related, but it is because if we aren't all being responsible right now to do what we're supposed to do, we're going to be back in this, you know what, hole again, and you know, it's just going to further delay everything, not just the automotive industry, but everything, right? So that's what's pissing me off right now is just let's focus on being responsible human beings right now from a business perspective from a morality perspective from everything but absolutely especially just with what the heck is going on right now i'm, I'm with you on that uh jeff i totally agree with you all right mr andrew lemoyne um, i know you're generally a pretty angry person right <laughs> you know so what's pissing andrew off <laughs> i don't want i don't want to get into it so much man because i don't want to like it's it's almost like the covid your opinion on the COVID thing is almost like religion and politics. Like, don't talk about it. Um, uh, here's what I'm going to say is that I'm going to say that over the past nine weeks, um, my opinion on this has really changed. Okay. So eight weeks ago, I would have given you a very, very different answer. Um, I bought into it uh, at first and um, I'm not downplaying it guys. Okay. Um, but I, I am looking at the numbers. I am looking at the stats. I am looking at the, global okay um what's going on and then i'm looking at the impact that's having to the economy and i'm not downplaying the disease man i'm not saying that we should be protecting seniors and that we should be protecting the vulnerable okay but i am also looking at what's about to happen if we continue to do this to the economy and the, to everybody and our, the well-being of so many people and and it's like you, you keep hearing this but it's like the, you know the economic destruction is going to be it's far more devastating than the the disease itself. So I'm pissed off at the fear that the media, like the way that, um, you know, the way that I think it's brought out the conspiracy theorist and all of us a little bit, like what's going on. Cause everyone's got to, cause we've all like, you know, even those of us that like don't usually buy into that stuff is like, oh, what's going on here, man? Like what's really going on behind the scenes. And we're all wondering, right? Like this is something just don't feel right. You know, something does not feel right. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm pissed off at the fear. I see so many people scared. And I guess that that's what's got me just, you know, we got to, we got to find a way. So here's what I'm going to say. Don't, here's what I'm going to say. What am I, what am I pissed off about? Um, dude, being pissed off is not going to put you in the right mindset, uh, you know, and state that you need to, to, to think clearly and focus on, um, you know, on how to push forward and persevere. So what I'm going to say is um, whatever's going on, you got to find a way to push through. Okay. So you got to find a way to push through as a store, as a business, as a professional and keep selling, keep, you got to keep moving forward through all this. And you know what? You probably got slowed down. Um, and you know, it's okay if you did what I was saying to people 10 weeks ago is just please, 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 please don't stop. Don't stop. Don't just stop and go watch Netflix for two months. Okay. Even if you got to slow down, just keep pushing forward. Um, you know, and, and, and don't buy into the fear. Don't buy in. I'm not saying don't respect the disease. I'm not saying that. Okay. I look, I respect your grandmother. I hope you respect mine. I don't want to, you know, so, so by the way, when I go out, if like, if I'm asked to wear a mask, I'll wear one. Okay. I respect other people's fears. I, I don't want to, if I wasn't feeling good, I wouldn't go out of the house. Cause if I did have something, I wouldn't want to give to somebody that's vulnerable. You know, so it's like, I respect all that. Okay. But I also, I also think that it's really time that we start opening things up a little bit right now. And I think that, you know, we, uh, you know, as a society, we take care of the vulnerable 
and and but we we also need to get back to you know, to, to, uh, to this, um, you know, I'm with you, Andrew. Thing. No, I'm with you, man. It's, it, there's you know? a fine line between respect and then just being fearful. Correct. And, uh, I'm with you that I, I don't believe that our media outlets out there have been leaning more towards the story of respect and leaning more towards the story of fear. And I'm hundred percent with you. The impact that this is going to have on the economy. I mean, guys, look, we're printing money that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just right. just straight up. Let's just call it what it is. We were printing money that just it's invisible. It doesn't exist. So yeah. what that what that's going to do to uh, our industry, to our societies is it's look, our country it, it it's something else. I'm with you on that one for sure. Hey guys, for everybody out there who's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you too, um, what is the best way to do so? Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, on Facebook, I'm more, uh, local. So it's Jeff, uh, Jeff Hunter at Pro Chevrolet and everywhere else, general stuff. So LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Instagram, I was dabbling a bit in TikTok. We'll see if I get back to that, but everywhere else, uh, general Jeff, you should be able to find me. Awesome. I know I can get Andrew's TikTok, uh, handle because that guy's <laughs> crazy on TikTok. <laughs> hey, Andrew, what's the best way to connect with you, man? So I'm you guys LinkedIn Andrew Lemoyne. I'm on all social platforms at I Got Sold. Um, even the TikTok, um, <laughs> even the TikTok. My seven year old's got me dancing TikTok in a way. You're pretty talented uh, at it, man. I'm not gonna lie. You got moves. <laughs> yeah, I try, man. I got two girls that are in dance, so they they keep me moving. You know, um, you know, if I if I could just finish off on a strong note, I'd say that you know I think one of the biggest takeaways, guys, from what Jason Jeff have said here is like. Now's the time to focus on your people, okay? You want to talk about how to cut costs, okay, and cut expenses, right? Cut the sa- cut, cut a couple of the text that, tech stuff that you weren't using, but reallocate that into your people, right? Because like we said at the beginning of the call, technology by itself right now is not going to fix the problem. You need to have the people. And now is when you should be doubling down on the people in the store. They're the ones that are going to carry your store, your business um, you know, through this and your customers, it's not the tech. Those are just tools to give your people to help them do their job better. Okay. But you got to really invest in your people. There's been a lack of that in our industry, um, for a while. Um, and you know, you know, you got dealers that are paying for 24 subscriptions that they only use 12 of them, but they won't invest any money in the people, you know, $2,000 to send so-and-so away or to invest in this course for this person. It's not worth it. No way. But I'm paying for 10 subscriptions I'm not even using. So just really put a focus. I'd say put a focus on the people. They're the ones that are going to get you through this. They're the ones that are going to take care of your store, your business, your customers, um, you know, and take care of the people. They'll take care of the, they'll take care of the customer. I'm, I'm with you, Andrew, on that. I think that's a great note to kind of end our podcast today is double down on your people. And uh, you'll definitely see the benefit of it. Hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. You guys have a wonderful day. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys.